0: Welcome to the Bama Bo Show. I'm your host, Bama Bo. I have got somebody I have been wanting on here for a while. Very good friend of mine, Tommy Browning. Welcome, Tommy. How you doing?
1: Oh, doing great. Thanks for having me on.
0: I appreciate you being on. As you know, because we've talked off the air, this is just a really cool thing to get to talk to each other because you're just a really, you're like me. You love Alabama football. And uh, so what's better to talk about than Alabama
1: football? You want to talk about how bad you hate Auburn. That hey, good.
0: we could spend all night on that.
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> let's <laughs> try not to go there my first time.
0: <laughs> all right, Tommy, let's kick it off. We were just talking off the air. Okay, this is... The SEC meetings, media meetings, whatever you want to call it in Sandestin this week, uh, you had had an observation, and I told you, honestly, I didn't see it. So tell me what you saw uh, with Sabin and Feinbaum yesterday. I thought that was super interesting.
1: Well, I've never seen Saban laugh and joke as much as he was doing yesterday. I mean, he was just cracking up laughing, you know, had Paul laugh, and it was a side of Saban that a lot of people never seen. Well, we've seen some of it, you know, in his barbershop video yeah. videos he posts with the you guys coming in on his boat. None of them even compare to what it was just.
0: Well, what did you take away from that, Tommy? I mean, seriously, what what do you think? You know, we all try to read Sabin. You know, we were just talking about that. We all try to read Sabin. What did you take away from
1: it? Well, let me we give credit where credit's due. Before I even heard the interview. I noticed our friend Jerome in Birmingham had posted a short uh, video on YouTube about how coaches like Swinney and and other coaches around saying you don't go to Alabama, you don't have fun. Yeah,
0: I love Jerome. By the way, he's great. Saban
1: Saban trying to prove, hey, I can be a fun guy, you know. And I read an article here, maybe been a year ago, I forgot which. Defensive back, it was talking about how much fun him and Saban had in practice every day. He said, they was always pulling pranks on each other, practical jokes, all during practice. He said, I kept my concentration, done my job, worked hard every day. But he said, y'all wouldn't believe some of the things that went on on that field between me and Saban. It just helped everybody dying laughing.
0: The SS side, you don't usually hear
1: about. Right. And I think he's wanting this out just because Clemson, Ohio State, Michigan, you know, LSU, all these, you go to Alabama, you just join the Marines. You're not having any fun.
0: Don't you think that hurt him in recruiting a little bit a couple of years ago, Tommy? Like, I mean, I think he feels that way, like it's hurt him in recruiting a little bit.
1: Yeah, I think that did, and you got Kirby coming in, basically saying the same thing. He knows how saving works. Jimbo Fisher, same way. A lot of it's got to be that. I mean, maybe the new hip feels good, and he just feels that way. I don't know. <laughs> just making him feel that good. I need two new hips and put a third somewhere. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Maybe the hips the answer. No, I just I found that interesting because you know we're always trying to dissect Saban, which actually is is probably a good segue, Tommy, because we were going to talk about this whole thing with Saban in the meetings when he talked about Tua, and he, you know, just I don't have the quote in front of me, but he basically just said, you know, that, that Tua had to get back in game shape. And that, uh, well, I don't even remember what else he said. It, it, it was kind of a bizarre statement, but I felt like there was a meaning behind it.
1: Well, he also said that he needed to read and react quicker. Yes, yes. And yes, thank you. You can take it a couple of different ways. You know, He don't want Tua to get too big, too, out there. Yeah. He also... Maybe wants him. I know he wants him to throw the ball away more than he does when the play is not there. It also could be a message to the offensive line: you need to give him a split second more. That's a good point. You know, I don't know what kind of new scheme offensive line will be using this year. We won't know till the Duke game. But if they can give him just a second more. That would make a big difference.
0: Well, a huge difference. And let me ask you this, Tommy, because you know the game. And, you know, being female, I didn't play the game. I just watch it. And I'm just a fan like everybody else. I just happen to be obsessed with it. I'm just such a Tua fan as far as him as a person as well. So I I try to maybe read too much into it. But watching him last year, and, and I know he got a lot of criticism for not throwing the ball away and living to fight another day and on and on and on. But I always just kind of wondered, there was just a part of me that thought, and and please correct me if I'm wrong, but I just always thought, I wonder if, if it's possible that Tua is so, and, and I don't mean cocky, I mean confident, and I think there's a difference. But I just wonder if he's so confident in his ability, and not just his ability, but look at the loaded receivers that, I mean, these guys are, we got insane receivers. So I just wondered, you know, I just wondered a little bit if if some of it was, it's not that he's trying to be a hero, which is how some people portrayed it, or is it just he's confident enough in his guys and in his arm that he thinks, if I can buy a second, I'll find a guy. Like, I am that confident in what's going to happen. And I think it hurt him, but I don't think it was the intent of being a ball hog or a superstar or, you know what I mean? Does that make sense? Like, I think a lot of it might have just been him so confident with the ability. If he just had a half a second or a second more, he felt like it's not the home run. I don't mean that. I don't think that's it at all. I think he just honestly had the confidence that some guys would get open and that he could find them. I mean,
1: do, do you think there's anything to that? Yeah, I, I agree with you 100% on that because every quarterback wants to try to make the play in their own different way. But if you keep taking licks like Tua took last year, yeah, you've got to calm down, follow out, however you want to call it, yeah. And throw that ball away and not get yourself hurt. Yeah. Because even though last year we still had Jalen to turn to. Yeah. Uh, my biggest criticism about Jalen was always pulling the ball down running too fast. Yeah. Yeah. And he was good at it, but that do not work very long in the SEC. You know that. Yeah. His defenses defense has got where they stopped him. and
0: Well, so do you think then that, and I'm trying to figure out how to word the question because you just nailed it, but like it, it, you were talking about to a basically just, oh, he's putting his body in harm's way. And I think that's the biggest problem. I don't think that it's, like I say, I don't think he's trying to be a hero. I don't think that they get necessarily aggravated. It's more just stop putting your body in harm's
1: way, throw the ball away.
0: He, he,
1: that's teachable, right? Yes, and <clears throat> one other important thing, too, what Saban said, saying it live on TV, i also seen an article here a while back where Saban talked about it. I think saying it in public, he's trying to bring Tua back down to, you know, down notch to. Yeah. Get him back into what reality is. As great as he was last year, people know him now, and, and we'll have him figured out. Do you think- said, you know, team comes first. Individual awards is a huge plus, but you really will not have one without the other.
0: No, and that's a. Re- and he's actually said that quite a bit. And you know, you always wonder when he does say things—is that directed at individuals? Who knows? I'm sure it is, but. You know, he seems to be such a – Tua seems to be such a a coachable kid. You hear that all the time. And I do think that he has a humbleness about him. I just – you know, to go in and win the national championship off the bench and then to come in and and be so great early in the season but then be plagued with all of these injuries and still end up in New York, I just wonder if it's more of a mental thing. Because when he said game shape –
1: I don't think he meant physically, do you? No, no, no. I don't okay. think so. Okay. Yeah, I it's thought it was more mental. Bringing him back down to earth. Yeah. Get your mind in the game, do what you need to do, and start over.
0: Do you think it's it's missed with him mentally as far as just how the season
1: ended? <clears throat> That's a tough one now. I don't know if it's That's how just... it ended or as much as how it started. Oh, and then didn't go, then fair didn't go point. As,
0: <laughs>
1: then didn't go as well toward the end. Of course, we played all of our toughest games at the end of the year. LSU, Very true. Auburn, Georgia, Oklahoma. But he had a good game the first half against Oklahoma. Don't know what happened the second half. And then, of course, Clemson was just laughable.
0: Oh, it was... It was, and you know, to be fair, the criticism Tua took in that game, and that game wasn't all on
1: on Tua.
0: I mean that that was that game was laughable from the start. It was unwatchable from an Alabama fan's perspective.
1: Well, it goes back to your offensive line. They get down inside the ten yard line or inside the fifteen, and give all the credit in the world to Clemson. They got a great defensive line. Sure. Thank God most of them are gone now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, our offensive line just could not handle They couldn't. It was bad. They could not do it. Running backs didn't stand a chance. Tua didn't stand a chance to get the ball to a receiver. When you're talking about the receiving group. That may be the best group in football, including NFL, you know, on one team. Yeah. That many great receivers, and uh, I'm really excited to see how they as well come back from last year.
0: Oh, I mean, that's a really good point. And, and you, you know, you made such a good point about talking about the offensive line. I, I mean, look, I've dissected that game every way to Sunday, but I'm not sure I've even focused that much on the offensive line. But But I should have, because you made a really fair point uh the the backs didn't stand a chance to didn't stand a chance and you wonder in those situations if that's when Tua was making mistakes he was forcing things um you know those guys can see that they're getting beat you know in the trenches and yeah, uh, yeah and then maybe you start forcing some things and you know that's what happens
1: a little bit of panic mode comes in you know and Got to make this happen. We got to turn the momentum around. We, you know, and that happens some, but it don't happen a whole lot. It, it all starts with your offensive line. It takes longer for them guys to jail together because all five of them have got to work together. Every step, every play. And if one is out of step, the play is not going to work. And that's where it all starts. I know I sound a lot like, uh, oh, God, I can't think of the fellow's names. First one to call, uh, hey, coach. Been doing it 30 years. (laughs) All he asked saving questions about the offensive line. Oh, Pee Wee? Pee Wee. Yeah, yeah. He does, you're right. He was talking about uh, Stallings earlier. I remember when he he was the first caller to Stallings every Thursday night. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> way back then
0: <laughs> yeah um if if I'm not mistaken Peewee called Stallings today I think I heard him today but yeah he's uh but you're right he does always ask Saban about the offensive line we get so caught up in these playmakers that you forget about those big uglies you know but but that is key to the game and that man it can make or break you and really I thought you, you know, they were good, but only in spurts last year. Didn't you think that? I mean, take away the Clemson game. Yeah. I, I thought there were times where they looked okay, but then there were times where every one of them made mistakes. Oh, yeah. That's true. That's going to be a huge deal. We're replacing a, a, the center. The center.
1: Yeah, Pierce Barker is
0: a great one. But, you know, you just never know. I mean, you're right. It depends on how they gel. Because we say that a lot. We'll sit there and watch these individual players and just be like, my gosh, they're going to be fantastic. <laughs> and then that don't always mean everything gels right.
1: That depends. I mean, that goes straight to coaching. Yeah. How you coach the guys. Uh, then again, I mean, there's a lot on them, too. Like Sabin says, the process. Yeah. Got to follow every play first, and you make a mistake, don't worry about it. Get it right the next play, or else.
0: Talking about the offensive line, you know, I've been really <clears throat> thinking about like w- what I'm really focused on. Just kind of in the off season and what you'd like to see improve, and um, and given that you brought up the offensive line, which was not where I was going to go, but gosh, since you mentioned them. Uh, that's gonna be key because we have got so many playmakers, Tommy. I mean, it's insane. It almost ought to be unfair.
1: Right. <laughs> it's going. It's going to get better as, is uh, I think they all reported yesterday. A day before, you guys coming in. Yep. I'm not worried as much about the offense as I am the defense. Exactly. That's where I was headed. That's where I was and headed. the offensive line is the only thing I'm really worried about on that side of the ball. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know. I'm not too worried about our defensive line. Nope. Somehow, way, there's always a bull guard that steps up <laughs> on that defensive line. <laughs> like Williams did last year, and, <laughs> and we need that to happen in at linebacker. Yes, we need that to happen in the secondary. Yep, yep. You know, keep waiting on one of the middle linebackers to step up and and become the bull god. But so far, you know, we really hadn't had one since Foster.
0: No, you're right. And it's a little scary. I mean, you know, if we're just being honest, it's a little scary. I mean, Dylan Moses, while I think he's a great talent and I think he's very coachable and I think, I think he's going to be okay. It really just depends on, can he be an alpha, you know, can he be a good signal caller and, uh, in which this off the subject, but, uh, I actually asked coach Stallings this a few weeks ago and it kind of, um, changed my opinion a little bit of the signal caller. But I asked him, I said, what are you looking for in a signal caller? You know, you've got your linebackers out there making these calls. You know, what are you looking for? And he kind of explained it in a funny way where he was basically saying that he goes, you know, it's it's really a misguided or or misleading term because they're not the signal caller. That's called from the sideline. And he said, but their job is to Get everybody in the position they're supposed to be in and they're and they're supposed to be able to react when they sh- when the offense shifts and you're supposed to move these guys. And he was like, and you gotta be able to do that on a dime. He said, So I'm looking for this, you know, extremely smart guy that knows right. all these plays inside and out, all this movement. They gotta know all this movement, this shifting and all this stuff and not be fooled by it. And uh, just the way he kind of explained that, I was like, you know, it makes so much sense. So you're you're really looking for that guy, that uh, and even in Reuben Foster's days, you know, I had heard rumors that a lot of his help came from Sean Dion Hamilton because he was just such a genius, and so oh, yeah. he, he would help kind of reroute them too. But we just ha- didn't really have that, you know, after that. And you know, so you wonder, yeah, can Dylan Moses be that guy? And I think that he can. But he's also got to be an alpha, too. You know, some of these quiet leaders, they're okay. But we we need this alpha guy. And then you have to think about who's going to be the other one. So it, that's my biggest concern.
1: That's my biggest concern. I think the secondary will be
0: okay, don't you?
1: Yeah, the ability's there. Uh, you just got to have somebody really step up and call the plays there, too. But... There needs
0: to be that guy that... And I'm trying to remember who it was a few years back. It was a defensive lineman, if I'm not mistaken. But there was a guy on that team that everybody was afraid of, and he would come out there and correct them, you know, make everybody accountable, tell them what they're doing. And he was a coach on the field, and you need right. one of those. You need one of those guys. And it just seems like, like we didn't have that.
1: I hadn't had it in a few years. Yeah, like McLean. Yes. Oh, uh, yes. uh, the one that got all the trouble years ago, never really done anything after he left Alabama. Yeah, Rolando. Uh, I couldn't think of his first name. Yeah. But uh I remember a game and if I'm not mistaken it was against Florida in the SEC championship game. Where he was sitting and watching the Florida coaches. When they send in the an Audible and he had turned and changed defense at Audible, again, he had turned and changed defense. And he was real good at it. And, wow. Yeah, uh, you know, I noticed that watched it several times over. And he was doing that on every play. You know, I can sit here and say how hard can that be, but it's got to be extremely difficult.
0: Oh, sure. Oh, sure. No question. And, and you know, and maybe we'll just kind of end there tonight because, it, you know, we could – Gosh, I have so many questions I could ask you. So I've got to get you back on because you're just a great, uh, you're very good, Tommy, at being descriptive, like to where you can kind of see what's going on. And I love that. Um, so I've definitely, right. got to, I've definitely got to get you back on and we'll, we'll talk some more about this. Cause we were even talking before the podcast about all these other things we want to talk about. And I was like, yeah, I was like, you know thinking to myself yeah i know tommy and i know once these stories start they're going to be great so uh <laughs> <laughs> i mean but yeah i've got to have you back on and we'll we'll touch on this further and just uh i mean is there any last thoughts you want to say anything else you're looking for did we cover everything tommy
1: well same thing everybody else is let's get a kick uh, bottom line uh, we'll leave that for the end.
0: <laughs> Mic drop, Tommy. Mic drop. drop. <laughs> well, all right, Tommy. I appreciate you coming on and and come back next time, and it, it I'd love to have you. So you have a wonderful night, and I appreciate you.
1: Okay, Bo. I enjoyed it too. Roll tide, and have a good night. Thank you. Thank you so much.
0: Thanks so much for listening. I really appreciate it. And a special thanks to Title Towel for their support. You can find them on Twitter at Title, T-I-D-A-L, Towel. And when you go to their page, click their website. It's witwillsports.com. And you can buy some really cool Alabama gear, and I highly recommend it. Thank you so much for Title Towel and their support. Also, A special thanks to Soul Street Coffee. You can find them on Twitter as well. It's at SoulSTCoffee. Go to their page. Click on their website, SoulStreetCoffee.com. Best coffee you'll have. Not just saying that. It is really, really good. I've had a ton of the flavors. Haven't been disappointed yet. Very, very good coffee. Go order you some. And hey, if you want to DM me, I'll give you a code to give you a little bit of a discount. So check it out, and you can find me on Twitter at bemabo 17 Thank you, and until next time, peace out and roll tide.